0: With Horizon Forbidden West, as well as the VR title Horizon Call of the Mountain right around the corner, I Suggestive Gaming figured now would be a great time to look over the extensive lore of the first game to get you caught up for the new installments. Do note that I'm going to cover things a bit out of chronological order just to keep the events of the game's narrative, as well as certain reveals, intact. Also, I'll unfortunately have to skim over a lot of the side stories and secondary characters, lest this video ends up being hours long. But, for the first time in the history of this series, I implore you to play this game yourself if you're interested in diving deeper into this lore than I can go here. I really, really recommend it, it's an amazing game. Alright, we've got a lot to get to, so let's jump right into it. Without further ado, this is what you need to know about Horizon Zero Dawn. Our story begins in the year 3021 in the post-apocalyptic lands of what used to be the United States, where we find a man named Rost, an outcast of the Nora tribe of the region, who is carrying a baby girl. Rost is taking the girl to a traditional Nora naming ritual, where she is to be given her name. Normally, a child's mother would conduct the ritual, but Rost tells the girl that she does not have one, so he'll do it in her stead. Ross travels from his home, making note of the giant beast-like machines that roam the land as he climbs to the overlook of the sacred All-Mother Mountain, where he is met by one of the tribe's three high matriarchs, named Tirsa. The woman speaks to Ross, despite the Nora's decree for those in the tribe to never talk to outcasts. She blesses the child and the ritual, and allows Ross to speak the girl's name, which he proudly proclaims to their deity, the All-Mother, as Aloy. Shortly after, one of the other High Matriarchs, Lansra, arrives and chastises Tirsa for allowing the ritual, referring to the child as a curse. Lansra then insults Rost for caring for the girl, but he ignores her, promising Aloy to always be there for her. A few years later, Aloy, now a child, tries to help a group of Nora children pick berries, but she is instead shunned and ignored due to her outcast status. This frustrates the girl, who runs off through the woods where she trips and falls into a ruin of the Old Ones, the ancient set of humans that created the advanced machines before they all died off, which the Nora believed to be due to their godlessness. While the Nora have forbidden anyone from entering the ruins, Aloy takes the opportunity to explore as she tries to find her way out. Soon after, Aloy finds a strange, glowing, arrowhead-shaped device upon the remains of one of the Old Ones' skulls. Aloy picks it up, places it on her own temple, and is shocked to find the device still operational. This device, called a Focus, augments her vision, giving her information about her surroundings, as well as the machinery and data in the ruins. Through the Focus, she is able to watch recordings made by the Old Ones before their demise, and she tries to make sense of what she's seeing before she hears Rost calling out to her. Aloy escapes the ruins to find Rost looking for her, and her caretaker notices the device, which she refuses to hand over to him. Rost reluctantly allows the girl to keep the device, and tells her that now that she's becoming more independent, he'll have to teach her how to hunt. The next morning, Rost finds Aloy playing with the device, and he hands her a bow before taking her off to the wilds nearby. There, Rost teaches the girl how to craft her own arrows, before having her take down a horse-like machine called a strider. The pair then spot a Nora boy running the Brave Trails before he falls into a den of machines. Despite Rost's protests, Aloy uses her focus to predict the machines' paths to sneak past them and get to the boy. She then helps this boy, named Teb, sneak back to Rost. Teb thanks them for their help, but he is soon met by a group of the Nora, who arrive and yell at the boy for speaking with outcasts. Aloy, frustrated at the situation, elects to walk home alone, but On her way, she is accosted by a Nora child named Bast, who taunts her by throwing rocks, one of which strikes her forehead and draws blood. Aloy can then either choose to retaliate or let the boy be, and Rost arrives shortly after to nurse her wound. Aloy asks the man why she is an outcast, as well as why she has no mother, but Rost only hints that the matriarchs are the only ones who can answer that question. The two then realize that the only way Aloy can learn the truth is by entering The Proving, the Nora's Rite of Passage, of which the winner is granted a single request by the matriarchs. Aloy pledges to do whatever it takes to get her answer, and Rost agrees to help her train to enter the Proving when she is old enough. As the years go by, Rost runs Aloy through various exercises as she grows older and stronger, eventually reaching womanhood as a capable warrior and explorer. Two days before the Proving, Aloy awakens to find Rost missing, and she leaves their home to find him. When she does, he tasks her with helping him to prepare to take care of some trouble, and she does so by crafting fire arrows, delivering food to an elderly woman named Grata, and buying a weapon called a Tripcaster from a trader named Karst. Afterwards, she meets back up with Rost, and the pair wait for nightfall. At night, Rost takes Aloy inside the Nora Gates, where he shows her the remains of an attack by a giant machine called a Sawtooth, which the pair track and soon find. Rost then presents Aloy with her final test— to take down the Sawtooth on her own. After she emerges successful, Rost explains the reasoning for his final test, to teach her that once she passes the Proving, her responsibility will be to protect the Nora land and serve a purpose greater than her own. Rost and Aloy then travel to Mother's Heart, the Nora's main village, and Rost says his final goodbyes, knowing that once Aloy enters, the two will never be able to speak again. Despite Aloy's objections, Aloy's objections, Ross pledges to follow the tribe's law and walks away. Aloy enters the village and meets with Matriarch Tirsa before making her final preparations for the proving. She comes across Teb, who expresses his thanks to Aloy for rescuing him when he was a boy, and repays her with a set of Nora armor. Inside Mother's heart, Aloy spots a commotion and investigates to find the Matriarchs announcing a visit from the historically antagonistic Karja tribe, which they are now at peace with. While most of the Nora observers meet the Karja with vitriol, one of the other visitors, a man from the Asarem tribe named Aaron, tells his own story. The mad 13th Sun King Jiran of the Karja tribe kidnapped his own sister, but the new king, Avad, who is Jiran's son, decided to put an end to his father's tyranny and kill him, leading the Karja to a new regime of peace and reconciliation. During the speech, Aloy notices her focus start to react to something. She investigates to find another man in the crowd who surprisingly has his own device. She speaks with the man, another Oseram named Olin, and tries to ask him about his focus, but he sheepishly ends the conversation and rushes off. Aaron then introduces himself and asks her to speak with him more after the Proving. Aloy then makes her way to the pre-Proving ritual, the Blessing, where each participant sits before a lantern crafted by their own mother, with Aloy's being provided by Tirsa. They then light the flames of their lanterns, and Aloy dedicates hers to who she feels is appropriate, and the lanterns rise and float into the sky. With the blessing complete, Aloy retires to the Hunter's Lodge, where she is met with hostility by a Nora Brave, the title given to those who complete the proving, named Resh, and he insults her for being a motherless outcast. She brushes off his attitude and enters the lodge, finding Best, the boy who threw the rock at her, scarring her years ago, but his own barbs are cut off by another Proving participant named Vala. Aloy then lays in Nora bed for the first time, as Vala gives her a quick pep talk before the big day. The next morning, the participants exit the village and Resh begins the trials for the Proving. While Aloy holds her own in the hunting exercises, despite Resh and Bast's interference, she soon falls behind while running the brave trails. She is able to use her wit, however, and notices an abandoned trail which she is able to navigate to emerge ahead of the pack and finish as the victor of the proving, narrowly defeating Bast and Vala. While Aloy is declared the winner and is anointed Nora brave, the celebration is soon cut short by a torrent of arrows which rain from the sky and kill many of the proving participants, save for Bast, Vala, Aloy, and a handful of others. Aloy fights off the attackers, while Bast and Vala help the others escape, but the attackers soon kill them as well. Aloy attempts to hold her own, and fights more of these attackers, finding a focus on the leader's body. As she inspects it, however, she is blindsided by one of the killers, who grabs her and holds her above the cliff's edge. As he goes to deliver the final blow, he is struck in the shoulder by an arrow, and he turns to see Rost, who arrives just in time and battles the man. The brawl comes to an end as the killer stabs Rost in the chest, leaving him to collapse. The killer walks off, leaving his men to set up explosives to destroy the remains of the attack. Rost is able to gather his strength to crawl over to Aloy, who is still passed out from her attack. He simply tells her to survive, before he's able to roll her down the hill. She awakens just in time to catch a glimpse of the explosion, which kills her lifelong mentor and caretaker. Aloy then drifts in and out of consciousness as she sees the Matriarchs taking her deep inside the All-Mother Mountain, where Tirsa states the young woman will be near her mother. When Aloy finally awakens, she finds herself on a bed within the mountain without her focus, or her gear. She explores the ruins within the mountain and finds both, eventually finding the other focus she took off of the attacker's corpse. In it, she's able to watch a recording of her attacker commanding his men to kill the Nora, as well as a recording of herself taken from Olin's perspective. Most curiously, however, is the final recording, one of a woman who looks identical to Aloy, just older and with shorter hair, who the attackers were seemingly sent to kill, leading the attack on Aloy and the Nora. Before she can learn more, Aloy is interrupted by Tirsa, who is surprised to find that she has recovered. She elects to lead Aloy to where she was born. Tirsa reveals that the Nora have a sacred tradition of dying near one's mother, which is why she convinced the other matriarchs to bring Aloy to the mountain. She then leads Aloy to a door, and beyond it is the Great Chamber, where the All-Mother slew the Metal Devil and, many years later, gave birth to Aloy. Tirsa reveals that one day the matriarchs found the newborn baby girl lying in the chamber alone, and since the room was sealed off, they determined she was born from the womb of the mountain. While Tirsa saw the baby as a gift from the mountain, Lansra and others felt she was instead a curse, leading to her being placed in Ross's care outside the tribe. Inside the chamber, Aloy spots a larger door, and its security system scans her for identification, but cannot confirm her identity due to its registry being corrupted. Tirsa then convinces a disappointed Aloy that she must cure this corruption. Aloy decides to start by finding the killers who attempted to murder the woman who looked like her, starting with Olin in his home city of Meridian. In order to allow Aloy to leave the city without becoming an outcast once again, Tirsa brings the young woman before the other matriarchs. While she is able to convince one other, Jezza, to anoint Aloy a Seeker, a rank of Nora who can leave the tribe in times of need, Lanzra predictably denounces the idea before storming off. The two remaining matriarchs give Aloy the rank of Seeker of the Nora tribe before she embarks from the sacred lands of the Nora to find Olin and answers to the mysterious attack. Aloy attempts to leave the tribe's village, but is stopped at the gates by Resh, who still meets her with hostility, despite her seeker status. As the two discuss, however, the village is attacked by a machine called a Corrupter, which is able to infect a nearby herd of striders, turning them hostile before the group storm the gates. After they breach the village's defenses, Aloy helps to fight the attacking machines, eventually killing them before inspecting the remains of the Corrupter. Aloy tries to figure out how the Corrupter was able to make the other machines follow its will, and finds a device attached to the down machine that she interfaces with her Focus. She affixes it to the tip of her spear, allowing her to repurpose the device to physically override certain machines herself, allowing her to make them do her own bidding. After a quick chat with Teb, Aloy heads off, overriding a Strider to mount and ride it across the landscape. On her way to Meridian, Aloy meets the late Vala's brother, nor a Brave named Varl. Varl sends her to a settlement called Mother's Crown, asking her to help find the Warchief, as well as his mother, Sona, who had gone missing after the attacks. During her search for Sona, Aloy is attacked by a sawtooth, but is rescued when the war chief herself arrives and takes it out with her bow. Sona reveals that she tracked some of the attackers from the Proving, and requests that Aloy accompany her for vengeance. The pair then attack one of the attackers' camps, and Varl arrives afterwards. Aloy then finds recordings leading to more of the attackers camping out at the Ring of Metal, which Sona explains is within the cursed ruins of Devil's Grief. Varl insists that they go there to kill the rest, and Sona reluctantly agrees. The trio then head there with Nora's soldiers to fight the killers and their corrupted machines. After Aloy weakens their defenses, the rest of the Nora rush in and take their revenge, ridding the Nora land of the mysterious cult-like group, but leaving Aloy with no real answers to their motives. Aloy continues her quest to find Olin and reaches Mother's Crown, where she meets a Nora brave named Marea, who informs her that the Karja gates to Meridian have been closed to protect their lands from the corrupted machines. Aloy clears out the corruption from the valley and reaches the gate, where she is allowed through. Aloy finally reaches Meridian, where she learns from a guard that one of their captains, Eren's sister Ursa, was ambushed and presumably killed by a group called the Shadow Karja. Erend arrives and speaks with Aloy, and she tells him about Olin's betrayal, and the pair agree to search his house for more information. At Olin's house, Aloy uses her focus to find the man's hidden workshop, and there she finds evidence that he had been working with the attackers as a spy, but only under duress as the killers had taken his family hostage. She finds a map leading her to Olin's next destination, Rockwreath, and she informs Aaron of her intention to head there to find him. Seeing the potential investigative use of Aloy's focus, Aaron asks her to find the Shadowcarja soldiers that killed his sister Ursa. Aloy agrees and meets him at the Red Ridge Pass, where they investigate the ambush site. Aloy notices inconsistencies in the remains of the attack, and determines that the dead found at the site were killed elsewhere, and staged there to be found by the Karja. She follows tracks up a mountainside to some ruins, where the pair find a small squad, which Erend is surprised to find aren't Shadow Karja, but instead from his own tribe, the Osirim. The squad attacks, and Aloy and Aaron are forced to fight them off. After the battle, Aloy and Aaron investigate again, and Aaron finds Ursa's helmet. Aloy theorizes that the Oseram ambushed Ursa's group with a new weapon that fires sound waves instead of projectiles. She determines from the lack of blood that the group was likely paralyzed, but not killed. She then finds evidence of Ursa's armor being swapped to a different corpse, which was then mutilated beyond recognition. Aaron heads back to Meridian to check if the recovered body truly was Ursa's, and Aloy returns later to meet with the Sun King of Ot. Eren reveals that they confirmed that the body they found was not Ursa's. The Karja determined that Ursa's attacker must have been a rogue Osram warlord named Durval. The Sun King asks Aloy to help find Durval and rescue Ursa. Aloy and Eren head to Pitchcliff to meet with an agent of the Sun King, but find him dead. Luckily, in his final moments, he was able to draw a map in his blood and the pair head to its destination, a nearby camp. There, they fight off Durval's men, including one wielding a giant sonic weapon. On his body, Aloy finds a pair of earplugs, and is able to use them to protect herself as she disables the area's sonic device protections. At the bottom of a cellar in the camp, Erend finds Ursa, still alive, guarded by a sonic device. After he destroys it, he rushes over to his sister, finding her barely breathing. She reveals that she met with Durval after he offered a meeting of peace, but fearing it to be a trap, she went secretly so Eren wouldn't get hurt as well. After her suspicions were confirmed, she was taken hostage and tortured. She reveals that Durval is planning an attack on Meridian to get revenge on Avad's father. Ursa then wishes her brother well, as she finally dies from her wounds. Aloy searches the cellar and finds a letter mentioning a shipment of combustible material called Blaze to Meridian. She and Eren head there to warn Avad, and they are led to a warehouse recently purchased by an Oseram. They enter the warehouse and find a makeshift bomb amongst the Blaze. They are able to push the Blaze out of a window, mitigating the explosion and protecting the city. Aloy follows the tracks left behind by Durval from the warehouse and finds the man sneaking into the Sun King's palace with his men. She follows him and reaches the palace, just as Durval is torturing Avad with a sound device. As he tries to trigger his explosive device, he is surprised to find it dysfunctional. Aloy uses this distraction to destroy the sonic device, incapacitating Avad, before finally confronting Durval. He grabs his own sonic weapon, but Aloy is able to defeat him and his men. After the battle, Durval reveals his last-ditch effort using some kind of machine lure to bring forth a flock of the flying glint hawk machines upon the city. Aloy is able to fight them off just as Eren arrives to take his revenge on Durval. As he is about to kill the man, however, Avad arrives and Aaron realizes a worse fate for the man, locking him up in Meridian and allowing all of the enemies he's made over the years figure out how to punish him. He then knocks Durval unconscious, and the Sun King's guards take him away. At this point, Aloy can help out various allies around the land with their various issues and errands. This includes the Karja Hunters Lodge, a prestigious organization for machine hunters that Aloy is able to join by helping her mentor in the lodge, a fellow hunter named Talana, kill a beast called a Red Maw to get her promoted to the organization's highest rank, Sunhawk. Returning to her quest to locate Olin, Aloy heads to Rockwreath, where she finds the man with one of the leaders of the cultish group who proceeds to resurrect two inactive Corruptor machines. As Aloy observes their discussion, an interference occurs and all of the cultist's focuses stop working. Aloy then receives a direct call on hers from an unknown man who reveals that he disabled the cultist's focuses to aid her in taking them out. Aloy then kills the Corruptors and the Cultists in the area, and finally corners and confronts Olin. He reveals that the Cultists are Shadow Karja who call themselves the Eclipse, and worship some kind of mechanical devil named Hades, which speaks to them. He also reveals the name of Rost's killer, Helas, the former Sun King's champion, who is leading the Eclipse and their army of ancient machines resurrected by Hades. Aloy also asks Olin about the image of the woman she saw that looked like her, but he claims to not know who she is, but rather intercepted her image in the ruins of a place called Maker's End. At this point, Aloy can decide to either take revenge on Olin by killing him or allowing him to live. Before she does, however, he begs her to free his family from the Eclipse and gives her their location. She then makes her choice regarding Olin's fate, and regardless of that decision, she still heads off to free his family. After finding their location, she kills the Eclipse guards and releases them from captivity. We'll be back after a quick break. Ever thought modern video games should be more interesting? At The Gaming Blender, we take randomized genres, mechanics, and make a new game every episode. I've added permadeath. We have a survival game of a hardcore simulation, which could be House Flipper, and with the permadeath of XCOM. Then that all has to be an action-adventure. yes oh dear yes and sometimes it doesn't quite work and you have you have a construction off over the course of the of the narrative construction off the (laughs) way the way we can do this is that we ditch your idea entirely entirely check out the gaming blender on all your favorite podcast platforms now Before she can make her way to Maker's End, Erend once again enlists her help in chasing a murderous fugitive named Coral. The pair track Coral, while Aaron tells the story about his, as well as his sister's, history. During the reign of the Mad Sun King Joran, he launched a series of attacks on other tribes called the Red Raids. During the raids, Erend and Ursa were part of a freebooter Osirum team to protect their tribe, led by none other than Derval. Durval, also in the team was Coral, who was especially savage to their Karja attackers. During one of their missions to rescue Asurim captives, Ursa was captured by the Sun King. During her captivity, Ursa was thrown into Jaron's sacrificial arena, called the Sun Ring. There, she was forced to fight a Ravager machine barehanded, and using her wits, she was able to retrieve one of the Karja guards' bows to take the machine down before killing the guard himself. This tenacity ended up impressing Joran, who let her live. Eren and Aloy reach a bridge, but find it to be cut down by Coral. In order to continue following, they notice that they must climb to the cavern below, which is unfortunately swarming with hostile stalker machines. Luckily, the pair spot a patrolling machine called a Tallneck, used for long-distance communication, and they hop aboard it to reach the other side. As they continue on, Eren continues his story about Ursa. After her battle in the Sunring, Ursa was kept by the Sun King Jiran as a slave. After biting her time working, Ursa was met and befriended by the Sun King's son, Avad, who covertly helped her plan her escape while feeding her knowledge that would aid the Oserim Freebooters. Ursa executed the plan and escaped Meridian, meeting back up with the Freebooters outside. A few of the group, namely Coral and Durval, didn't believe that she could have escaped on her own, and instead believed she made a deal with the Sun King, but she spent the next two years proving her allegiance by using her abilities and the knowledge she stole from the Karja to take down their forces. One day, however, Avad showed up, looking for help taking down his father, and Coral met the Karja prince with hostility, prompting a fight with Eric. Aaron's story is cut short once again when a giant bird-like machine called a Stormbird attacks and the pair work together to make quick work of it before continuing their hunt for Coral. They soon find a lure and conclude that Coral left it there to stop anyone from following him. As Aloy searches the area for more clues on the fugitive's whereabouts, Aaron continues his story. While Coral wanted to take Avad as hostage, Durval agreed to work with the rebellious prince and his soldiers to take down the Sun King Joran. Avad then led them to another Karjan named Balan, who he recruited into their alliance. Later that night, however, Durval plotted to kill the Sun King as well as his entire family line before burning down Meridian altogether. Aaron overheard his plan and informed Avad and Ursa, and the latter decided to somehow get rid of Durval. She then fetched the man and took him up a mountain, pretending to celebrate before she attacked him and managed to push him into a crater on the mountaintop. With Durval out of the picture, the Freebooters were able to recruit other Oserim, including a woman named Petra, who invented a cannon able to blast through the meridian walls. Ursa and Aaron then confronted Coral, giving him the choice to go or stay, and he chose the latter, deciding that taking down the Sun King was most important. Aloy finds an ingot on the ground, and Aaron is led to believe that Coral must have headed to a nearby trading post. The pair head towards it, and Aaron continues his story again telling Aloy about the day the Freebooters finally attacked the Sun King at Meridian. The Freebooters attacked the city at dawn and breached the gates, freeing Meridian's slaves, which joined the battle. This forced Avad's child brother, Prince Edaman, to be snuck out of the city to safety. Coral looted a shrine during the battle, leading to his wanted status. Aaron's story is interrupted as he and Aloy spot Coral, as they confront him, however, he pulls out one of Durval's machine lures, and he tries to run off in the scuffle as two long-leg machines arrive. Aloy takes care of the machines, while Eren tackles Coral. Both Aloy and Eren emerge victorious, but as Aaron tries to take their target captive, Coral pulls out a bomb and kills himself. After the explosion, Aaron reflects on the journey and finishes his tale. Ursa and Avad led the charge, and found the Sun King Joran in his quarters. Avad was unable to kill his father, so Ursa stepped in and did it herself, killing the Sun King, but allowing Avad to take the credit as the Karja's new leader. Ursa then returned to Durval in his pit, and had him tortured as punishment for his plot to kill the Karja. Some time later, Coral found the captured Durval and released him, and he began to plan his revenge on Ursa. While Erend is mad that he ultimately can't bring back his sister, Aloy consoles him, stating that now that he has told her story, he can finally learn from it. The pair then momentarily bask in their victory, before parting ways so Aloy can continue her journey. Returning to Olin's lead, Aloy heads to Maker's End, guided by the unknown caller who helped her at Rockwreath. Once she arrives, she finds Eclipse Cultists reanimating a giant machine called a Deathbringer, which she is able to kill along with the cultists. She grabs a focus from one of the dead bodies, but when she activates it to learn more, she is instead met by Hades, now aware of, and angered by, her survival, before the focus breaks and she heads into the ruins. Inside, she finds a locked door, which scans her identification, recognizing her as Dr. Elizabeth Sobeck, before opening and allowing her to pass into the buried remains of some kind of facility. The facility announces that Dr. Sobik is late to a meeting with Ted Faro, which was supposed to take place hundreds of years ago. The unknown caller again contacts her and gives her information about the facility, Faro Automated Solutions, which was operated by the Old Ones and where they developed the machines that now inhabit the land. Aloy climbs to the top of the facility and finds Pharaoh's office. Where she watches archived recordings to learn that Sobek, a former employee of Pharaoh Automated Solutions, was contacted by Pharaoh after a glitch was discovered in one of the company's chariot war machines, allowing them to go rogue. Sobek examined the glitch to find that it allowed the machines, which were designed to fuel themselves from bioorganic life and self-replicate in controlled situations, to disobey their programming and overrun humanity, potentially to its extinction. To prevent this apocalyptic fate, Sobek developed the plans for Project Zero Dawn, a solution so extreme that Pharaoh initially rejected outright before Sobek threatened to reveal the real cause of the glitch, forcing him to sign the proposal and initiate the project. In spite of this newly gained knowledge, Aloy is nonetheless frustrated at not learning any information about how Sobek and her are related. This prompts the unknown caller to finally reveal himself via hologram through her focus, and he introduces himself by the name Silence. Silence determines that the only way they could learn more about Sobek is by continuing to search for information about her Project Zero Dawn. Aloy figures the best place to continue the search would be the US Robot Command, which Sobek mentioned to be her destination in her last recording. And Silence informs her that the ruins of the location are now called the Grave Horde. Aloy makes her way to the Grave Horde and fights through Eclipse cultists outside to enter the facility. Inside, she finds more Eclipse, trying to wake one of the giant Metal Devils. They bring forth another Deathbringer, and Aloy is again forced to fight and kill the machine and the surrounding Eclipse. Further inside the facility, Aloy finds the recording of Dr. Sobek after she presented Project Zero Dawn to the military. As it turned out, The military agreed that Zero Dawn was their only solution, and they enacted Operation Enduring Victory, which was to arm as many humans as possible to fight the machines and buy time for Sobik to assemble her team and execute Project Zero Dawn at a decommissioned orbital launch base. Aloy climbs out of the facility and confers with Sylens about their next move. He locates the orbital launch base, but it unfortunately now lies below the Citadel, a palace inside the city of Sunfall which is currently being used as the capital of the Shadow Karja. The pair determine that since the Eclipse and the city will all be using focuses, they would be able to detect Aloy as soon as she were to enter the city. Silence surmises that if they could disable the network used to communicate with Hades, Aloy would stand a chance. Silence leads Aloy to the Eclipse's main base, and he instructs her to climb to the top of an immobilized tallneck machine to disable a module installed by the Eclipse this, knowledge leads Aloy to suspect that Silens was a member of the Eclipse, but he denies this, simply stating that he only assisted them before realizing their danger, which he is now trying to correct. Aloy reaches the top of the Tall Neck and approaches the module, spotting Hades in the vicinity, apparently inside one of the Metal Devils. She tries to remove the module's casing, but she is shocked and thrown away from it. This alerts Hades, who appears before her and threatens that she cannot destroy it. Aloy regains her footing and plunges her spear into the module, disabling it and forcing Hades to retreat, calling upon its army to eliminate Aloy. A Deathbringer arrives and shoots the Tallneck, causing it to fall as Aloy flees. More Eclipse machines ascend upon Aloy and open fire, forcing her to scramble away before she manages to escape into a river. When Aloy washes up on shore, she again speaks with Silence, angry at the man for sending her into the lion's den without telling her Hades was there. While he callously admits to this calculated risk, he tries to focus her on the issue at hand. Aloy expresses her distrust, and Silence shakes this off, stating that their mutual self-interest will ultimately lead them both to what they're looking for. Aloy enters the Citadel in Sunfall undetected, thanks to the network crash, and she spots a speech by one of the Shadow Karja's leaders, Bahavis, who claims Prince Edaman is the true Sun King, and his brother, Avad, is simply a traitor who killed their father. A woman named Vanasha then asks Aloy to speak with her somewhere private. This discussion leads to Vanasha revealing she is a spy sent by the Karja to rescue Edaman and his mother Nasadi to take them back to Meridian. Aloy later helps her accomplish this with the help of a defecting Shadow Karja named Uthid, and they are able to deliver Edaman and his mother to Avad. In Sunfall, Aloy is able to climb beneath the Citadel, where she finally finds the entrance to the Project Zero Dawn facility. While the main security door recognizes her genetic profile, it is unable to open due to a malfunction. She authorizes an emergency venting override, which allows her to enter, but alerts the Shadow Karja to her intrusion. Inside the facility, Aloy learns the truth behind Project Zero Dawn through various recordings and notes. As it turns out, Zero Dawn was not some kind of superweapon aimed at saving humanity from the Pharaoh Plague. By the time the glitch was even noticed, it was already too late, and the machines had enough power to reduce the planet to a barren wasteland. Instead of fighting a futile battle against the machines, Sobek and her team of lead designers called Alphas were instead tasked with finding a way to build a future for humanity after the machines destroyed civilization as they knew it. Sobek's intention was to create an intelligent terraforming system that could bring life back from lifelessness. This system would require several pieces, the most important of which would be the overarching AI guardian called Gaia. That would serve as the core of the system with various subordinate functions existing to carry out the other tasks required to rebuild the world. Among these were Minerva, which would brute force the deactivation codes for the rogue Pharaoh machines, as well as build the transmission arrays to broadcast these codes to shut them down, Hephaestus, which would create and build physical machines to be used to carry out the tasks of the other functions using machine facilities called cauldrons, Aether and Poseidon, which would detoxify the Earth's atmosphere and water, Artemis, Demeter, and Eleuthia, which would repopulate the Earth with animal, plant, and human life respectively through snapshots of genetic and biological material, Apollo, which would hold a vast archive of human knowledge to educate the new humans as well as show them how not to repeat their mistakes, and finally, Hades, which Sobek leaves unexplained in her recordings. Aloy examines the facilities to learn about the various subordinate functions and their creation, curiously finding the knowledge Apollo held to be lost. When Aloy reaches the room where Hades was built, she finally learns its original purpose, to be a failsafe for Gaia should its procedure go awry that would wipe out life once again to allow the system to start over. Aloy then finds the Alpha Registry, which will allow her to clear the corruption at the door inside All Mother Mountain to allow her to enter and finally find who or what birthed her and why. Just as she copies the data, however, the eclipse arrive, and Helis, the man who killed Rost, then throws a bomb at her and she is knocked unconscious by the blast. Helis then recovers her body and locks her in a cell. When Aloy awakens, she is met by Helis. expresses his regret for not killing her at the proving. He then reveals that just before she shut down the Eclipse's network, he had sent word to all of them to invade the Nora land and kill every member of the tribe. He then grabs Aloy's focus and destroys it, before lowering her cell into the sun ring below, where she is forced to fight a corrupted behemoth machine. Using her quick wit, Aloy is able to lead the giant machine into destroying the pillars holding up the platform above, and when it falls, she is able to reclaim her equipment and weapons. She then engages in battle with the behemoth, and after destroying it, Helis sends forth a pair of corruptors to kill her. While she challenges Helis to fight himself, the corruptors advance on her position. Just as she appears trapped, Silence appears in the flesh as he bursts through the arena gate on a strider, with another on his side. Aloy jumps on, and the pair escape while more of Silence's overridden machines distract the corruptors. Outside Sunfall, Silence gives Aloy a new focus, with a copy of all of her Old One's data. Aloy asks Silence for his help warning the Nora about the impending Eclipse attack, but he refuses, claiming to have to make preparations elsewhere. The pair then go their separate ways, as Aloy heads towards the sacred lands of the Nora to protect her people. When Aloy reaches the Nora lands, she finds it already under attack from the Eclipse. Aloy fights her way through the attacking forces to regroup with the remaining Nora army, and they are able to successfully fend off the attackers. Aloy then enters Allmother Mountain and finds the High Matriarchs inside. While Lansra still meets Aloy with hostility and doubt, despite all she's done for the Nora, Aloy simply brushes her aside and approaches the large security door. Aloy is able to restore the Alpha Registry, and the door recognizes her as Elizabeth Sobek opening before her and allowing her to enter. Aloy passes through the doorway and finds a facility called Eleuthia 9, where the human embryos were gestated and artificially born after the extermination caused by the pharaoh plague. Aloy views recordings of the humans that were born and raised in the facility, but eventually, they were forced to exit into the lands outside once the food supplies ran dry. Without the knowledge meant to be left behind by Apollo, these humans reverted to the tribe-like mentality. That Aloy experienced in her lifetime. She then comes across a recording from the Gaia subroutine, where it explains that a transmission of unknown origin reached the Gaia Prime facility and transformed the subordinate functions into chaotic, self-aware entities. This awakened the Hades function, which took this to mean that it must render life extinct once more to start anew. To prevent this, Gaia ordered the facility's reactor to overload in order to destroy Hades, but this action would also destroy her as well as the other subordinate functions. Knowing that without Gaia, the terraforming system would need a new governing intelligence, the AI birthed Aloy using Elizabeth Sobeck's genetic material, calculating that she would uncover a focus and one day view her message to hopefully reboot Gaia. Unfortunately, Hades saw this coming and transmitted a virus, allowing it to escape out into the world before the reactor overloaded. Gaia's final instruction is to reach the ruins of Gaia Prime and obtain the Master Override, with which Aloy will be able to finally destroy Hades. Now knowing that she was not born from a mother, but rather a machine for a specific purpose, Aloy is left shaken. Silence, still observing her from afar, tries to snap her back into focus, asking her to meet him at the ruins of Gaia Prime. Aloy then exits the facility meeting the Nora inside the mountain, who perceive her as the Anointed, since she was able to speak with the All-Mother. Eloy rejects this title, frustrated that she was once shunned for the same thing she's now being praised for, and instead implores the Nora to focus their efforts on fighting against Hades and the Eclipse, which are bound to soon attack Meridian. At some point during her investigation into the Eclipse, Aloy hears rumors of trouble with new machines and talking spirits in the lands of the Banuk tribe, known as the Cut. She travels to these frozen wilds and observes a Banuk funeral for the tribe's best warriors, who died but whose bodies were never recovered. During the ceremony, the tribe's chieftain, Aratak, refers to a diamond that is driving the machines of the land against them. Aloy learns from a merchant named Bergrind that a shaman named Orea originally pushed the Banook towards finding the diamond at a place called Thunder's Drum before vanishing. Aloy attempts to learn more about this diamond, and Bergrind leads her to the shaman's apprentice, named Neltuk, who left to learn more about rumors of a new machine. Aloy finds Neltuk and speaks with him about the new control towers that have appeared in the cut, pulsing the daemon's energy and corrupting the machines in the area. She destroys the control tower and machines in the vicinity, and Naltuk leads her to the Shaman's Path, a treacherous route that will lead her to Aurea. Aloy follows the path, fighting more dangerous machines than she has seen up to this point, including a formidable foe called a Frostclaw. After fighting through these machines and reaching the end of the Shaman's Path, Aloy finds Orea's retreat, and finds the Shaman amongst the ruins, attempting to speak with some kind of spiritual force. Aloy speaks with Aurea, and uses her focus to re-establish communication with the spirit, which the daemon interrupts before terminating the transmission. Impressed by her ability to speak with the spirit, Aurea agrees to help Aloy find a way to set her free by reaching Thunder's drum. Aurea devises a plan for Aloy to challenge Aratak for the position of chieftain in order to allow her passage to the area. Aloy returns to Aratak and challenges him, with Aurea backing her claim, revealing that the two are siblings. This prompts a challenge between the two for leadership over the tribe, but during the trials, the daemon-corrupted machines attack, forcing the two to team up to fend them off. After the battle, Aratak is left so impressed by Aloy's abilities that he cedes leadership to the Nora Hunter, allowing her and Aurea to head to Thunder's Drum. Arataka accompanies the pair on their travels, and the trio reach the ruins of the Firebreak facility, where they find that the governing AI, Cyan, which Araya came to know as the Spirit, was taken over by the Diamond Hephaestus, one of the subordinate functions turned rogue AI by the Unknown Signal. Aloy fights through Hephaestus' fabricated defenses to reach the core of the facility, the Cauldron Epsilon, and she tries to override its programming. Hephaestus prevents this, however, releasing an electrical shock which incapacitates the hunter. Aurea then picks up Aloy's spear and continues the override, successfully destroying the cauldron but mortally wounding herself in the process. As Aratak mourns his sister's death, Cyan announces that it has transferred itself to an auxiliary control center at Aurea's retreat. Aloy gives her condolences to the former war chief as the facility begins to self destruct, forcing the two to narrowly escape before it collapses. Aloy and Aratak make their way to Araya's retreat, and Cyan shows Aratak recordings of his sister, showing her pride in the man. Overcome by sadness, Aratak leaves the facility, leaving Aloy to speak with Cyan alone. The AI reveals that Hephaestus wasn't destroyed with the cauldron, but it will at least be set back in its attempt to take back control of the machine production facilities. After some more discussion with Cyan, Aloy heads off to find Aratak. Aloy finds Aratok and speaks with the man, who thanks her for helping the Banuk in his own way. The pair reflect over Aurea's fate, and Aloy encourages Aratok to retake his place as the war chief, as she needs to return to her own fight, but he first asks for help in destroying Hephaestus' remaining machines, a task she respectfully accepts and carries out. When Aloy is ready to continue her quest, she ascends the path known as the Bitter Climb to reach the ruins of Gaia Prime. Near the end, she is attacked by a Stormbird, and defeats it to continue into the ruins. There, she finds the mountain ripped apart due to an explosion caused by Gaia's self-destruction. She soon finds one of Silence's workshops, where she speaks to a projection of the man. Aloy fears that Gaia will be too damaged to reactivate, but Silence holds hope that once Hades is destroyed, they'll be able to slowly repair the AI using a cauldron. Aloy enters the remains of the Gaia Prime facility and finds Elizabeth's journals, although they are nearly destroyed. Aloy retrieves them, hoping that over time her focus can repair them so she can learn more about the scientist. She then comes across a memorial dedicated to Elizabeth, and she listens to a recording from one of Project Zero Dawn's alphas. And Aloy learns that when one of the hatches on the facility's port seals disengaged, risking it being found by the Pharaoh machine swarm... Elizabeth sacrificed herself by donning an environmental protection suit before going out alone to repair the seal, permanently locking her outside. While the alphas inside the facility mourned her decision, Elizabeth was at peace knowing that her work was done and the project would ultimately save humanity. She then bid her farewells to her teammates, stating that she wanted to go home. After a quick chat with Silence about Elizabeth's sacrifice, Aloy finds the facility's control room and inside, she is shocked to find the skeletal remains of Project Zero Dawn's alphas. She watches a recording of the final meeting inside the room, where a very shaken Ted Pharaoh broke into their system and addressed the alphas through a video message. He revealed to them that he purged Apollo, destroying the information that led to their current situation so those in the future wouldn't be doomed to repeat his mistakes. He then vented the air out of the control room, suffocating and killing the Alphas. Aloy retrieves the Master Override from the control room and returns to Sylens' workshop, where she finds the man in the flesh once again. He makes a final confession to the woman, revealing that he was the one who uncovered Hades, and assisted the AI after it promised him knowledge. As it turns out, Silence had not only assisted the Eclipse in the past, but he actually helped create the group. Silence then explains that Hades' final move will be to attack one of Minerva's transmission towers, called the Spire, near Meridian, in order to use it to transmit a signal to all of the dormant machines to awaken and purge the world of life once more. Silence gives Aloy his lance, then leaves her to complete the mission she was born to, and the two part from each other. Aloy then fits the lance with the Master Override, giving her a means to inject it into Hades once she is close enough to it. She then heads to Meridian to prepare for the Eclipse's forthcoming attack on the Spire. Aloy warns the Sun King of Avad about the attack, and they prepare their forces for defense, including the various allies Aloy has made through her journey thus far. Aloy then heads to Olin's now vacant apartment and rests before the final battle. Aloy awakens the next day and rushes to meet with Avad as the pair witness an explosion before a swarm of the Eclipse and their giant machines rush from its source. Aloy has Avad prepare his defenses, and she spots Helis, who she challenges one-on-one. The pair fight, and Aloy emerges victorious, stabbing Helis through the heart, finally killing him, and avenging Rost's death. Aloy then rushes to Meridian's gates and helps her allies hold off the attacking machines. While doing so, however, a Deathbringer fires upon a structure above her, bringing it crashing down and knocking her out. As she passes out, she sees the machines pulling Hades' chassis toward the spire. Aloy later awakens to find herself rescued by Teb, and she leaves him to take care of the wounded while she rushes to the spire. As she reaches its base, she looks up to see the tower transmitting Hades' signal across the land, awakening various buried machines which emerge, preparing to indiscriminately destroy all life. Aloy climbs the spire to find Eren, Varl, and either Sona or Talana waiting for her. With her friends and allies' help, Aloy fights Hades' final form of defense, a powerful Deathbringer. Aloy is able to defeat the machine, leaving Hades wide open. She then rushes to the AI's chassis and drives the lance inside of it, triggering the Master Override. This causes an electrical interference, and Aloy's focus displays a holographic image of the Master Override, which Aloy sees as Elizabeth Sobek, purging the Extinction Protocol. This shoots out a new transmission from the Spire, which deactivates all of Hades' reanimated machines, finally bringing an end to the corruption across the land, as well as the threat of humanity's second extinction. With Erend and Varl at either side, Aloy lifts her bow in triumph towards Meridian, and the humans celebrate their victory. Sometime later, Aloy's focus is able to repair Elizabeth's journal, and she is able to find the woman's childhood home. She travels there, and finds the remains of a body inside of an environmental protection suit, surrounded by a triangle of flowers. Aloy touches the suit, and her focus activates, projecting an image of a face on the suit, that of Dr. Elizabeth Sobeck. Aloy finally meeting her mother face-to-face, simply smiles, and takes a locket from her hand before looking to the sky. Back at the spire, Hades emerges from its chassis and transmits into the sky, finally reaching a nearby Silence, who catches the AI in some kind of cage like contraption. Reunited with his old friend, Silence reveals that he plans to find out who sent the transmission to Gaia Prime that awoke the AI to get to the bottom of the recent events. Weeks after Hades' destruction, Talana is back at the Hunter's Lodge, taking her place as the Sunhawk, now training her new thrush, or initiate, Milu. She is prompted to solve a dispute with a hunter named Kieran, who demands the hunter contract for a village called Rising Light, which Talana ultimately refuses due to his men's lack of experience and skill. Their argument is interrupted by the Sun King of Avad, who offers Talana a spot as an advisor on his Council for the Restoration of Meridian, which she accepts. Two days in, however, Talana, along with Erend, find the task to be extremely arduous and boring. They soon get some excitement as the city's perimeter alarm sounds, and they rush off to defend the gate from attacking machines. After a quick battle, Talana realizes her true place is out hunting, not attending to bureaucratic tasks. She then accepts the contract for Rising Light herself, and she leaves Meridian on her own to carry it out. Talana soon finds the prey the contract called for, a claw strider which she attempts to slay before it reunites with its pack, quickly overpowering the hunter and forcing her to flee. She tries to escape to a cave, but one of the machines is able to stab her abdomen with its claws as she pierces its skull with her staff. Talana then passes out from her injuries. Sometime later, she awakens on a bed inside of a makeshift hut inside the cave, surrounded by healing items and food left for her by an unknown party. She emerges from the cave to find Kieran and his men, a team of mercenaries called the Burnished Sons, attempting to complete the contract despite being denied by the Lodge. They kill another machine, called a Grazer, before running off to find the Clawstrider. Talana spots a young boy looting the down machine, and he introduces himself as Talvo. Talvo warns the hunter about the man in the woods before they are attacked by a rider with black armor. The pair are then rescued by this man in the woods before Talvo runs off. The man introduces himself as Amadis, the one who rescued and tended to Talana, and she fills him in about the black-armored machines. A week prior, before Aloy headed off to find Doctor Sobek's home, the pair had fought this new breed of machines, which apparently are more dangerous than the others. Amadis reluctantly agrees to work with Talana to take down the Clawstrider, and he helps track the machines to the north. The pair follow the tracks to an abandoned manor defaced with the sigil of the Covarriv family, where they find a dead burnished sun, alongside what appears to be drag marks from a downed Clawstrider leading Talana to believe Kirin completed the contract. They then determine that in order for Kirin to turn in the contract, he would have to go to Sunbreak Valley to find the group of trappers that issued it. The pair then come across Kirin speaking with Duvad, the leader of the trappers, about their kill. While Kirin tries to collect payment for killing a single rider, Duvad explains that the contract was to eliminate the entire pack. As the pair attempt to negotiate a new deal, the black-armored clawstrider ambushes them and attacks, forcing Talana and Amadis to join in to help. They are able to knock it into a river, but are unable to celebrate their victory as the burnished sons turn their weapons on Talana and Amadis, claiming an even larger bounty than the clawstriders. Kieran reveals that Amadis has a heavy price on his head, referring to him as the traitor of the Southern Spear. Before they can capture the man, however, he grabs Talana's arm and pulls her off the cliff into the river below, and they soon wash up near a waterfall. In the cave beyond the waterfall, Amadis fills Talana in on his past. Amadis, the last member of the Beat Ravish family, was a member of the Sun King Jiran's army during the Red Raids. After being sent into a region known as the Forbidden West, Amadis began to regret being an agent of Jiran's brutality. This led him to meeting a fellow Karja soldier, a woman named Nessa, disguising herself as a man in order to serve in the army. The pair then worked together to secretly keep casualty numbers down, defying their orders to protect the innocent citizens of the Forbidden West. This went well until one day Amadis' superior officer, General Jediah Kovarev, ordered an attack on the southern spear, which Amadis knew would lead to the defeat and the death of the Karja squad, including Nessa. Amadis tried to run off to stop the attack, but Jediah lunged at him with a blade, which Amadis turned back on him, killing the general in self-defense. Amadis then ran off to the southern spear, but found he was too late, reaching only the remnants of a horrible battle, with Nessa's body among the wreckage. After his tale is done, Amadis shows Talana a piece of Nessa's helmet that he keeps as a pendant to remind himself of his failure, and she tries to encourage him, She then tells her own story about how her father spoke out against the red raids leading to his death as well as her brothers at jiren's hand this is what gave her the desire to reform and rebuild the hunter's lodge in their honor the pair are then interrupted by the black armored claw strider which talana is able to ambush and kill she investigates where it came from and finds a cauldron hidden in the cave Fearing the cauldron was the source of this new breed of machines, she devises a plan to collapse the cavern to block the cauldron's gate. Before they can carry it out, however, they are shocked to see a giant machine, called a Shell Snapper, emerge from the waters within the cave. As the pair run from the machine, Kieran and the Burnished Sons enter the cave to search for them. Talana then lures the Shell Snapper to the Burnished Sons, and uses the distraction to escape with Amadis. Talana stays behind with Amadis's hood, and he runs off ahead. As the Shell Snapper and the Burnished Sons emerge from the cave, Amadis returns with one of the black armored claw striders in tow. Amadis submerges into the water, and Talana shoots the Shell Snapper's shell, causing it to detonate an electrical explosion, blasting away the claw strider and the Burnished Sons. Talana and Amadis then work together to bring down the giant machine, which they are able to do. They are unable to celebrate, however, as Kieran climbs atop the disabled machine and announces his intention to cash in the bounty from the Kovarev's family, and then take Talana's place as Sunhawk in the Hunter's Lodge. Suddenly, the shell snapper awakens and kills Kieran. Talana then takes the dead man's spear, dashes under the machine, and stabs it through its exposed underside, finally disabling it for good. Afterwards, Amadis takes Talana back to the abandoned manor, revealing it was his family's home. The pair then separate, with Amadis heading back to the Forbidden West to find Nessa's body and lair to rest, while Talana returns to the Hunter's Lodge, taking her responsibility as Sunhawk and finishing her contract, getting more out of it than she had originally hoped. And with that, we reach the end of Aloy and her friend's tale so far. Thankfully, we won't have to wait much longer to find out what happens next when the story picks back up six months after Hades' destruction with Horizon Forbidden West. Hey everybody, thank you so much for watching this one. wound up being way longer than I expected, but I really wanted to take a deep dive into the story of this game as I loved playing through it. I do ask that you leave a like if I helped you out, and make sure to subscribe for all my new videos, and ring that bell if you want to make sure you catch the streams where I play through the games I cover. You can also follow me on Twitter for updates, at Suggestive Games, and you can come chat with myself and the community by joining our Discord server in the description. If you really want to show your thanks, you can support by becoming a channel member here on YouTube, or by heading over to where you'll get early access to videos just like this. Both those links are in the description below. And I want to take the time to thank the folks helping me out every month whose names are on screen now. Thanks again, everybody.